Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, we hear Kayla's transformational journey through her three distinct birth experiences. Kayla's lifelong desire for motherhood led her down a path toward a holistic lifestyle even before she became pregnant. Her introduction to the concept of home birth through online videos solidified her decision that this was the path she wanted to take in bringing her babies into the world. Her first birth unfolded swiftly, leaving her with mixed emotions. While it was a positive and empowering experience, she couldn't help but grieve the rapid conclusion of a journey she had invested so much time and energy into. It was during this period, though, that she delved into the world of placenta encapsulation, eventually embarking on a career supporting women in their placenta medicine journey. Kayla recounts her extraordinary third birth, which unfolded before the 37-week gestation mark, highlighting the immense trust her midwife had in her and her baby, which fueled her own confidence in birthing her two-kilogram son safely at home. When the time came to welcome her third child into the world, Kayla carried the profound knowledge that everything required for this birth resided within her. Despite the challenges she encountered, this birth instilled within her the profound wisdom of surrender and trust, a powerful lesson that beautifully marked the end of her childbirth journey. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, Kayla. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. (laughs) Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Kayla. Um, I am a very passionate and intuitive mother of three incredible children. Their names are Paisley, Hector and Juniper. And Juni is our third and most recent bubba um and we are located in the hunter valley of new south wales beautiful and were your pregnancies planned conceptions yes yes they were okay awesome so let's start with paisley what was that journey like for you okay so we were newly married um and ready to jump in very excited to have children 
And we it took oh. a little while to fall pregnant with her um, in terms of, like, length and compared to other people's pregnancies, probably not too long. But for me it was um, it was three or four months conceiving her. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we were very, very excited to fall with her and kind of dive into that parenting world that we were just so, so unaware of, really. Yeah. Yeah. And how was your pregnancy with her? It was amazing. Amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. She, I had n- no troubles at all. Um, a few like pains and niggles here and there, but I think being younger, it wasn't really an issue. I was 25 when I was pregnant with her. And um, yeah, we, we planned a, a beautiful home birth. Everything was just smooth sailing. The pregnancy, yeah, everything was fine. I loved, absolutely loved being pregnant. And you chose home birth. So you obviously had a pretty solid um, trust in birth. Take us through that decision-making process. I had started going down kind of the natural route with a few things. And I had, from a very young age, I knew I wanted kids so I, I just spent all of my spare time kind of researching and like, oh, I'm going to do cloth nappies and I'm going to home birth and all of the things, you know. And it took a little bit to get my husband on board. He was kind of like, how about we just do our first in hospital and we'll just see how we go because we don't know what we're expecting. And I, I said to him, no, I want to do this. Like I, I need to have my baby at home. This is where I know that I'm going to have the best chance of having the birth that I want to. And him meeting our midwife the first time, he was sold. Like he was so on board. Yeah. For her birth, we went through like our local midwifery program that that was Belmont Birthing Program. Um, so at the time they would come out to us for that. Yeah, okay. And did you keep that close to your chest that you were going to home birth? Because I I know that, you know, that long ago there would have been a lot more criticism around home birthing. There's still a lot, but not Um, as much. No, I'm I'm quite an outspoken person, (laughs) like in my personal life. Love it. Um, So I, I think I was pretty excited about it and I did. I told everybody and a few people were like, oh, are you sure it's your first? And I was like, no, I'm doing this. Like, you just wait and see. I'm doing this. Mm. And I also had a beautiful friend at the time who was going down the same path as me. We were due like three weeks apart and she was also going with the same midwifery program and um, she ended up birthing three days before me and it was just it was amazing having her support and us going through the same thing in that, that new postpartum bubble, like the first time. Yeah. So being so young, you know, only 25 when you fell pregnant with her, what were some of the resources you used during your pregnancy to get educated on birth? Ooh, good question. Like any courses or particular books? I didn't do any courses. No, I think, I'm pretty sure that I just watched a bunch of home birth videos on YouTube, really. Okay, yeah. Um, Trying to think back now. 
I mean, your midwives give you a lot of info as well, don't they? They do. Yeah, yeah. And they were they were great in alleviating any concerns that my husband had. And he wasn't aware that they would have like a resus kit and they're able to stitch up any tears that you have. And like they have everything with them. It's it's only a, like a, a true emergency that we would need to be transported to the hospital. And I think him knowing that really helped him get on board and feel like, yeah, we can do this. This is fine. Yeah. So let's get into her birth then. How were you feeling towards the end of your pregnancy leading up to labor? Oh, I was convinced that I was going to go to like 42 weeks. Oh, nice. I, I, like I was I was convinced that I was going to go over. I was going to be pregnant at Christmas. I was going to eat all the food. Everything was going to just be like, yep, we're just waiting for this baby. And she decided to come 10 days early, which blindsided me completely. Um, I just remember that night, my husband going to work. He was a shift worker at the time. And he's like, don't go into labor tonight. And I was like, don't worry, I won't. (laughs) And a couple hours later, I was ringing him back saying, can you please come home? Um, Which was crazy. So he had to make his way home and that was, it took him about an hour and a half just because by the time I had gotten a hold of um, the staff there to let him know because he wasn't allowed to have his phone on him at work at the time, then he had to get out of the pit and drive home. So I was mostly alone at home at night by myself for her labour and I had no fear around birth. Um, I don't know if you would call it naivety or if I just, I had just become so content with knowing that that's what I wanted to do. I was excited to give birth. So I didn't have any fear and her labor went so fast, so fast. It was three hours from the first contraction to her being born. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you have any tearing? There wasn't, no, I had a slight graze. Um, With her birth, it was very much the fetal ejection reflex kicked right in. Um, The midwife didn't get here until I was crowning. And we were, it was the middle of summer. We hadn't filled the pool all the way up yet because we like my husband got home and he's like, what do you need me to do? And he's rushing around the house. We're halfway through a renovation. Um, He's like rearranging furniture (laughs) because we just were not ready. Like we were convinced it wasn't happening yet. And so he set up the pool and we filled it up as much as we could, but the water was still cold. So the midwife was trying to convince me to get out. And at that point, I was like, "You are, like, I am not getting out of this pool. You will not get me out of here. Why was and she trying to get you out? Because the water was too cold for baby. Okay. So she was worried, even though it was quite warm outside, she was worried that if I birthed her into the water, she would go into shock. Okay. Yeah, so... I, I birthed her head into the water and then she encouraged me to stand up and she caught her as she came out. Um, but, yeah, as she came in the door, I was saying to my husband, I 
oh, like I'm not, I'm not pushing. This is just my body doing it. I can't, like I'm not trying to stop it, but there's no way that I could stop this. It's just happening. And she's like, okay, I'm going to check you and look down. She's like, oh, yeah, the head's right there. Like baby's coming out. And oh, it was just, it was such a whirlwind, her birth. Mm. Do you, Did you have a point of transition that you remember? Definitely, yes. Okay. Um, so... Yes, it it was the whole pregnancy. Uh, sorry, the whole birth was. It was there was no break. Um, the contractions were very on top of each other. They weren't consistent in like time apart and the length that they would go for. I remember timing them and like googling like what is going on. Like it's supposed to start slow and then get like increase in in pain and in length and they were like they just started it like five minutes apart and so I remember being in the shower and just kind of that that writhing around in pain feeling like not being able to get comfortable or feel empowered in a position that I could take on those contractions um, I remember a point before my husband got home thinking, what am I doing? Why am I doing this at home? Like when when Thomas gets home, I, I have to tell him we're going to get in the car and we're going to drive to the hospital. And I think that was me getting close to transition. Then by the time that he got here, I, I remember saying to myself, there's no way you could sit in the car to drive to the hospital. <laughs> like that's not happening. And... I was like in and out of the shower. I had to go to the toilet a lot, like my body clearing out. And I remember that one last time where I thought I said to him, I'm just going to go to the toilet again. I feel like I need to go again. I need to like, there's something else coming. And I went and sat down there and I was like, that's the baby. This is like, that is not my bowels. And I stood up and he had to physically help me walk from the toilet to there's a step as well, like up to the lounge room where we had the pool set up. And I just remember like straddling her head as I was walking there. And the I think the significant thing that I remembered from the, the contractions earlier on to transition is I started to get a break in between them. And that seems to be a theme with my body throughout each of the labours, mm-hmm. um, that once I get to transition, I get more of a break in between my contractions, which is really bizarre. Um, yeah, so I remember getting up there and getting into the pool and by the time I got in there and when the midwife said, like, oh, we're going to get you out, and I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not getting out. I only just got in. Um how did you feel after that experience? I so a lot of mixed emotions. Um, obviously, like I was so, I was so happy that I had had my birth at home and that nothing had gone wrong. Um, but also, I kind of never gave myself the option for anything to go wrong. Like I was so determined. And, like, that is just my personality. Like, I am stubborn as an ox. <laughs> and, um, like, I, I did not pack a bag for the hospital, nothing like that. Like, I was like, that's not even an option. We're not doing that. If it happens, then, like, my husband can grab some jammies and a toothbrush. Like, I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I very much had, I grieved, I grieved that my pregnancy was over so soon. And I grieved that all of a sudden, like this birth that I had been waiting years for was just done in three hours. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about that. Of course. Yeah. Um, it really took me by surprise when I had called the midwife and said, like, I think I'm in labor and she's like, Oh, try and go to sleep. Like, we'll probably see you in the morning at some point. Like first labors go like pretty slow. And so here I was convinced that that's what was going to happen. And it was, yeah, it was like the rug was pulled out from under me that this thing that I was so looking forward to, which I know not everybody has that feeling, but I, like, I was just so ready to like, to be pregnant and to give birth and for it to all just be over. I was like, what the hell just happened? So it took a couple of weeks for me to really settle into that. Um, along with, I thought Paisley was a boy. I was convinced she was a boy. And so there was that, Oh, we have a girl. What on earth? And Mm. I I like, I think I had like a little bit of gender disappointment just because I had convinced myself that she was a boy. We didn't do um, any like gender checks during the scans because I did have scans with her. Um, We didn't find out with any three of ours, like they were all surprises. Um, So that was massive as well. Kind of what I would do is go back through her pregnancy and like things that we had done and just like moments that I was connecting with my baby thinking it was a little boy had to like rewrite that memory with her instead of the boy that I thought that I had. Yeah. Um, But she was here like straight away the next day. Paisley needed um, a little bit of help. She she wasn't a great feeder to begin with and they said it was likely because she was early. Um, she had some latching problems and we thought she may have potentially had a tie. Um, I didn't go down that route too heavily, I suppose you would say, because we ended up being able to feed pretty good um, after the first nine weeks. But I did have a a shield, like a nipple shield, and it, it took some time to wean off that. Um, but once we did, everything was okay. But my friend, she came over. It just, it was like the day after her milk came in, bless her. And she, I remember her sitting next to me in bed, pumping milk for Paisley. Oh, wow. Like it was just the most beautiful thing. Yeah, those village vibes, right? Yes, totally. (laughs) And, like, she had her baby there. Like, she's, like, feeding her and pumping for me. Like, I just, I will forever be grateful to her for that. Yeah, I love that so much. So what did you end up doing with your placenta? And you also encapsulate placentas for a living as well. So let's chat about that also. Yes, Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I am, I am very passionate about placentas and just providing care for mums in that, that new postpartum bubble. Um, that is where my journey started. So I remember I asked my midwife, can you recommend any placenta encapsulators around here that like 
that do a good job. And, you know, she basically said to me, well, it's an unregulated industry. You're better off like figuring out how to do it yourself because like, I think she was also tired. Like she couldn't legally recommend anyone that's like out of her scope. Um, but she also kind of pushed me to look into how to do it myself. So I should probably like thank her for like my whole business, but, um, I kind of just Googled and I think I found like one random blog that had some information on how to do it. And I, I did it in the oven because we didn't have a dehydrator (laughs) and yeah, I, I made my own capsules. Um, back then there was no like umbilical cord keepsake or placenta prints or like I had no idea about that kind of stuff like I just used everything (laughs) like Paisley has asked me mom what did you do with my umbilical cord and I was like I ate it I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) so you don't use the umbilical cord I personally don't for my clients no I I turn it into a keepsake right okay but can you use the yeah you can use it okay yeah well you try and just use everything that you can. So like the amniotic sac, the whole placenta, the cord, everything, you can just dehydrate it and blitz it all up. And we know that like sometimes some women haven't been able to do delayed cord clamping for whatever reason. We know that the umbilical cord is full of all of those amazing stem cells. So using every single piece that I can, like it's, it. I just, yeah, that's what I do. Um, but I try, I think it's a beautiful keepsake to have that umbilical cord for the mum. So I try and kind of, if there is anything left in the cord, I try and milk that back into the placenta before I cut it off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people say like, I've done it for all my pregnancies so I don't know the difference or like they haven't done it at all so they don't have a comparison. Mm-hmm. But with Paisley, my husband for some reason stuck the placenta straight in the freezer. So I didn't have to worry about that. It was kind of like a blessing because her birth being so fast, I felt like I had been run over by a truck afterwards. Um I was not up to standing in the kitchen doing something like that for a couple of hours. So it wasn't till about her being two weeks old that I actually did it. So I, I experienced the three day blues. I experienced like my milk coming in, all of that stuff. I went through without the capsules. And once I have those, like it, it is, it's like night and day between you taking them and then if you forget to take it one day, you're like, what is going on with me? <laughs> and then you remember like, oh, I forgot to take my capsules. And it, it just, the difference is incredible. Mm. Um, for me, mostly the emotional side of things. So just the hormonal drop that we have, um, each time that I've done it, those capsules really hold me through that period. Yeah. And I always say to my clients when they ask me how many should I be taking and I have my little leaflet that says kind of like in the first week you'll be taking more and then week two you take her off. But I always say if you feel like you need more on a certain day, take more because you really cannot take too many. Like it is your placenta if you choose to eat it all after you give birth straight away within that first week, like 
that's okay. You cannot overdose on your capsules. Mm. Um, a lot of mums are mindful that they don't want to burn through them too quickly, which I totally understand. But there really is no right or wrong of how many you can take. And if you really feel like there's a day where you need more, definitely just lean into that. And yeah. yeah. So for anyone that's sort of sitting on the fence with getting their placenta encapsulated, could you just give us a little bit of insight into what the process is and what are the benefits of it? Sure. So there is two ways that I do it. Um, There is the raw method, which I basically just rinse your placenta, slice it up into thin pieces and pop that in the dehydrator. Um, It takes a little bit longer when I do it raw. So I try and do minimum 12 hours, but it's usually around the 15-hour mark. Then after that is done, I will put it in the, the blender, blend it all up until it's basically just a powder And then I put that in my um, capsule machine and yeah, like turn it into the capsules, pop that in your bottle. I always try and pick up within 24 hours after the birth. So I, at the moment, limit how many mothers I take on each month because I'm essentially on call waiting for a birth to happen. Um, And I try and be there as quick as I can so that I can get it done and back to the mum. I try and always get it back by day three. Like that is my aim. But I also am now a mother of three children. So that I've had to extend that time of getting it back at the moment, Um, which is really hard for me because I'm so passionate about helping mums, but I also need to kind of um, respect my own time as well. Yeah. Um, like it's hard, it's hard being a mom in business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other method that I prepare it is the, it's based off the traditional Chinese medicine, um, inspired by them. So we want to bring warmth to the placenta because we know that warmth in postpartum is really nourishing and healing and, Um, A mother's womb space is open and airy during that time. So we we just want to bring warmth to that. So when I I, I steam the placenta for this method and I use ginger and lemon um, in in the water, Um, so that infuses into the placenta and then it's basically the same process from there. I slice it up and dehydrate it. Yeah, and I I do also do raw smoothies and now tinctures as well. Okay. So the tincture is essentially the same way that you would do like a herbal tincture. I'm adding a small piece of the placenta to 100 proof vodka, um, organic vodka, and that has to sit and alchemize for six weeks and then I strain it off and I deliver that to the mama. Um, and that is intended to be after the capsules are used up, um, that it has no expiry date. So you, there are um, kind of anecdotal stories and like legends and myths of women using that in their menopause phase. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. So um, I have mine and I'm super mindful of like I I don't want to use all of this all up, but um, it's for those days where you, you, you may have like higher anxiety or an emotional low and just using that kind of as your own personal rescue remedy. How cool is that? I love yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I guess we'll jump back into your birth stories now. How long did it take you to feel ready to go back for baby number two? Um, so second time around, we started trying when Paisley was, what well, we decided we were going to start trying when she was about one. Um, but there is a two-year and seven-month gap between them. So there, there was quite a process of falling pregnant with Hector. Um, I had to try and get my cycle back. So that was a whole process in itself. Um, I remember like researching all of these things, like how do I make my cycle come back and are there herbs that I can use and what can I do when at the time we didn't have the money for me to like see a practitioner or a naturopath to help with that kind of stuff. So I was just trying to do everything myself. And I remember stumbling upon some information that was like, you need to trick your body into thinking that you don't need to provide and nourish this other child that you have. And I was still breastfeeding at the time. Um, so that like your cycle comes back. And I remember just thinking this is the funniest thing ever. And I was like, I'm going to give it a try. We'll see like, what's the harm. And it was eat as much food as you can for three days. And so for this three days, I just like did not stop eating. I was, if I wasn't eating a meal, I was snacking on something. Like I just remember feeling like I was so full. I felt sick, but I just kept eating for three days straight. And within a week, my cycle came back. Oh, my god! I know. And I think I was 16 months postpartum at that point. Wow. How crazy. It is the craziest thing ever. <laughs> and it, I, I remember thinking like oh, maybe it was just a fluke, like maybe my body was going to do that anyway. We tried cutting back Paisley's feeds because she was still fed on demand whenever she asked for it. Um I had gone to the GP and he'd said, like, you need to cut back her feeds. Like, that's the only way you're going to fall pregnant. It's the only way you're going to increase your progesterone. And we tried that and she she didn't take to drinking more water and ended up getting severely constipated. And that was, like, so traumatic for her. It regressed her toilet training. Like, it was just – it was horrible. And so I, like, I, I made a vow to myself that I was not going to put her through that. And if – if my body wasn't ready to fall pregnant yet, then I kind of had to just be okay with that because she was my priority at the time. And, but obviously it was still kind of like looking in the background, like what can I do? And so tried that and yeah, I, my cycle came back and I think potentially my body wasn't ready still. Like I had forced my cycle to come back, but it, it really wasn't, um, my body wasn't ready and it took us 12 months to fall with him. Um, that was really hard. Mm-hmm. But I think having her, being busy with her, already being a mom, it was easier to accept that time 
um, I feel like I may have slightly even blocked out these emotions that I was feeling because I don't, I don't remember how I was feeling at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I did end up seeing a naturopath um, towards the end there, mostly for Paisley. But it, while I was there, I spoke to her about my own stuff and she ended up putting me on Chase Tree. Um, which is kind of like a progesterone-boosting herb. And falling pregnant with him, I remember thinking I was pregnant because I had a slight bleed and I thought that must be like spotting, like I've got implantation spotting. And I took a test and it was still negative. And so I was so confused of what was happening and then I think it was probably another week or two later I took another test and it was positive. So what we kind of worked out was that the chase tree had made me have a really short cycle and then I had kind of like a mini period and then fell pregnant straight after that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I took that test thinking that I that was spotting that was a period and I didn't fall pregnant until after that um so going into Hector's pregnancy there was a lot of confusion about like my dates yeah okay and how was that pregnancy it was also a super smooth sailing pregnancy yeah kind of non-eventful um Again, I was chasing after a toddler. Um, I feel like I was tiny during that pregnancy. Like I, but like my belly was measuring fine. Everything was all good. That time we had actually been um, the Belmont birthing group. They had changed their parameters of where they would service women to birth at home. And so at the time, we didn't qualify to have a home birth with them anymore. But we could go into them at, to the birth centre. Make that make sense. <laughs> they, it's, we're too far away for them to come to us, but we're close enough for them, us to go to them while I'm in labour. Like that, it just it infuriates me. Yeah. And I remember my husband just being so like, why, why would they do that? And it was all down to them not having enough staff. Like it wasn't the midwives who chose this and they were like, they were so apologetic. And I did have one appointment with the midwife there and I ended up convincing him that we should use a private midwife. And the risk with this midwife was that she lived quite, a fair way away from us like she was on the central coast and we're in the hunter valley so kind of like halfway to sydney and paisley's birth being so fast we were expecting hectares to be like 45 minutes an hour right Mm. and i'm fighting my husband being like i am not giving birth on the side of the road while we are trying to drive to belmont because that was like a 45 minute to one hour from our house Mm. Um, for us to get there and if you give birth before arrival the ambulance will straight away take you to the public hospital instead of the the birth center 
And I fought him tooth and nail saying, like, I do not want that. I do not want to give birth on the side of the road. I do not want to have to go to the public hospital, not because it's a public, like, I wouldn't have wanted to go to the private hospital either. I just didn't want to go to hospital. Um, And, like, it was... It was such an issue at the time because this midwife was $5,000 and we just didn't have the money to pay that. And there was so much turmoil within me going, I know that I can give birth at home. I know that my body can do that and I feel comfortable, but you don't feel safe if nobody's here just to support us through that or if an emergency happens and he was he was really concerned. Um, in the end, we we made that work. We were able to find the money to pay for it, and we just paid it off over the pregnancy. And his his birth again. I went I went into labor earlier this time. I was we think we think so. This is we're not sure about the dates again. I would have been 36 and three days. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, And if I was with Belmont, I would have been straight away sent to the hospital. They wouldn't have allowed me to birth at home, Mm. whereas private midwives are more open, they're more relaxed, they're more understanding about the way women's bodies work in these things. And my previous birth being 38, and four days, we kind of guessed that I was going to go early anyway. Um, my body doesn't tend to carry to 40, 41 weeks. That's not my normal. Yeah. So we, we knew I could feel that he was coming. We went to um, our local zoo with friends on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, so I would have still been 35 and a half-ish weeks. And I could feel, I remember saying to my friend, I can feel that the baby is engaged. Like it's so, so low down in my pelvis. I can just feel it's there. Like I'm going to go any day now. And I, I said that to the midwife on the Saturday when I had my appointment. And she said, oh, can you just try and hold it off a little bit longer? I have this other mum who is over her dates and she she tends to birth around the 40-week mark and, like, this is her fourth baby. We know that it's probably going to happen around then. If you could just try and hold on a little <laughs> bit longer. And I was like, I am not going to be able to. This baby is coming so mm. soon. And the funniest thing is that other mum – gave birth that night after my appointment and I went into labour the next morning. Oh, perfect. (laughs) I know. And it kind of was a miracle in its own way because it meant that my midwife was actually closer to me than if she had been at home. That's amazing. So she had a sleep at this other family's home. Um, The other midwife her second midwife, she went home. Like they had a little bit of time to to kind of transition between the births. And um, when Hector's labour had started, it was quite different to Paisley's. And I, I knew I said to her, this one's going slower. So you don't feel like you have to rush over. So 
I don't know if it was because there was more people here. Um, as soon as we kind of knew that morning, like the first sign that I had with him was my water broke. So we, we, we still don't know why he went early. Um, the placenta was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, he was two kilos. Oh, wow. And I'll go, go into that after, like when I get to that point with him. But he, he was fine. Yeah. Um, How big was Paisley? Oh, um, Paisley was 2.95 kilos. Okay. So you have, you have small babies. Yeah. 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 Um, and he, he was 2.05 okay. kilos. That's tiny. <laughs> yeah. So like not even five pounds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, we don't know if it's like my, my body just goes, okay, there's no more room in here. This baby needs to come out um, before it gets too big. Or if I do have like a bit of a tilted uterus, so potentially that um, potentially that makes that like my babies just don't stay in there for as long. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, it was just so bizarre that Paisley's water broke and it was like a gush and it was within kind of an hour to half an hour of me like contraction starting. Whereas with him, it was five in the morning, laying in bed, I was breastfeeding Paisley and I heard this pop and I thought to myself, no, <laughs> that, that can't be my waters breaking. Like that doesn't happen. That like, that happens in movies. <laughs> there was no way. And so I had, I, I said to Paisley, um, I'm just going to get up and go to the toilet and we'll see what's going on. And before I even got to the toilet, like liquid started coming out. So I knew that my water had broken and we kind of we snuggled back into bed and I said to my husband, like, oh, I think the baby's coming today. And he's like, what? No. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we all, we all got up and he started like timing the contractions for me and he was super excited because he, had, he wasn't here last time when everything started. He kind of got here at the pointy end and was like, oh, what do I do? And started setting everything up. Like he – He's great in an emergency. Like he's so level-headed and just like has his steps and he just goes for it. Um, so he's really dependable like that. And we, yeah, we called the midwife and let her know and she said that she would be over in a little bit and I just, I could feel that those contractions were, they were slower, they were further apart and I knew that things were going to take a bit longer. Um, we called my mum and let her know and she, I think she had just gotten to work. She works in the mines, so she had just gotten to work and they they called her up and said, like, Angela, your daughter's in labour, you got to go, go see her. And so she left work straight away and she came here and I remember her being in her work clothes. And then within a... A couple of hours um the midwives were both here well they got here separately so I think our main midwife came and then our second came and I was in the shower I remember her popping her head in and be like hi I'm I'm Jess it's nice to meet you <laughs> things 
I don't know if they progressed slower because there was more people here and I just last time it wasn't like that and I started questioning myself, being like, why is this taking longer? What's going on? Um, definitely knowing that I was in labour and the midwife checked my tummy and she said, I can definitely tell that your waters have broken, like there's less fluid around Barb. Um, and we're just like, right, we're doing this. And we had the oxygen tanks ready. She had like the little finger clip, all of the stuff. So, like we knew Bub's going to be small. Like we're 36 weeks. This is, we're just going to play it by ear. Um, I, I didn't have any fear around him being early. Um, I think they kind of spoke about it when I wasn't in the room just to reassure my husband, um, they'd also left the oxygen tanks here for him to use in case I gave birth before the midwife got here because that was the other thing. We were thinking we're going to be doing this on our own before she gets here because this birth's going to be faster. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where our heads were at going into his labour. Yeah, it was just interesting on the day that that's not how things panned out and so the the game plan kind of changed and we all knew things were going slower and um I really had to recluse and go into my own space to get things moving I feel um so that's why I had got in the shower I knew that with Paisley's birth that had really helped me pain wise the water and this time we didn't bother getting a pool because we thought we're not going to be able to set it up in time. So his was a planned land birth. Mm-hmm. His birth was kind of just like textbook perfect in the way that it progressed. Um, it very much started off gentle, got more intense, and like my mum had Paisley outside so there wasn't – Um, like I kind of just really could get into the mood and use the shower as a way to draw away from everybody. I said, I need some space. Like, I'm just going to go in here for a bit. I'll let you know if anything changes. And I think I was probably in there for a good hour and, um, Paisley joined me for a little bit and, um, she was just in there like in awe of like the baby's coming soon. And like, that was just such like a precious memory that I have of that labor Mm. and then as the morning progressed so from I think it was five or six that thing started up and he was born at just after 11 so it was a six-hour labor from the time that my waters broke to him being born yeah it was six hours Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say I preferred that. I I also manifested that. Like I say this all the time to my friends, like I manifested that six-hour birth. I did not want a 45-minute or a, a three-hour again. Like I wanted a longer birth. I totally like called that in and whether that had anything to do with it or if it was just because there was more people here and I just needed space to get into the mood. Um once I was in transition with him, 
I very much felt in control. Um, I remember sleeping in between the contractions. Um, and I think, again, things ramp right up for me. And then when I hit transition, those those contractions space out a little bit more. Mm. And I, I remember sleeping in between the contractions. I... I was resting. I was saving my energy. And I remember saying to the midwife, I feel like this is a long enough time now. Like (laughs) this has been nice, but I'm ready. (laughs) And that was me in transition. Like, okay, I'm ready for it to be done. I'm I'm over it now. (laughs) Um, And then he started to descend and I was, I was on my hands and knees leaning over our lounge, but pretty much in the exact same spot that I birthed Paisley, um, which is really, really special, like in our lounge room, but without the pool this time. And he, yeah, he was, he was coming down and the main thing from that birth, and I've watched the video back over and over and over again, and I noticed that his hand was right up there next to his face and it was on my spine and I was screaming, <laughs> screaming that my back was hurting and I didn't have the words to tell somebody, just please put your hand on my back, like put that pressure on my back and I was there by myself and everybody was kind of like circled around the room but very much giving me my own space and I was just screaming at the top of my lungs and during this one contraction, as I started to scream, the second midwife said, Kayla, I just need you to breathe. Just breathe this beautiful baby out. And in that moment, I was able to just like switch my mindset from like pain, like uncontrollable pain to just facing it and leaning into it and breathing through it. And as I watch that video, it's incredible how I go from like absolutely screaming my head off to just breathing in that one contraction. And for the the rest of those contractions, I was able to control, I felt in control of like my mindset and my body. And um, I, I didn't have the ring of fire with him. He was so tiny that like it, I, I think it just wasn't there. Um, I didn't quite have like I I did have that sensation of like the fetal ejection reflex but I also had to bear down with him because I feel like he was so tiny that gravity wasn't helping Mm. and I I needed to help get him out Mm -hmm. and I, I pushed his head out and I remember the midwife kind of touching a little bit and I, I I like kind of recoiled a little bit and I think I said ouch um and she kind of backed off a bit realizing like okay we're just gonna let this happen but 
she said to me, Taylor, do you want to reach down and catch your baby? I remember saying like, no, I am exhausted. I can't catch it. Like somebody else has to catch it. And Paisley wanted to catch it and we kind of we'd spoken about that and we're like yeah if it's right in the moment like we'll let her catch the baby and because she'd been playing outside with my mum her hands were all dirty and so my husband's kind of like oh maybe not and so we just let the midwife catch him and he um yeah like he 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 just came out perfectly and um straight away as soon as I saw him I knew I was like he is so tiny and that's all I could just keep saying is like he's so tiny he's so tiny and well it's so tiny because we didn't hadn't checked yet what he was and um then like of course we were elated that he was a boy and like my husband just feeling so proud that he had his boy and like it's it's just that different feeling I think for them like they're so nurturing of a girl but like they they have this pride to have a son and I could see that on his face and um straight away they had me up on the lounge like laying down and the midwife checked me there was no tearing like he wasn't big enough to do any damage um but we straight away had the finger monitor on him checking his oxygen levels and he was perfect like he's so strong and even to this day like he's the strongest kid (laughs) Um, nothing hurts him. Like he's had so many accidents of like blood gushing out and his head split open and his leg cut from like two centimeters. Like, like he just, he's, he's so tough, um, (laughs) that he was just like that from day one. Yeah. And he, yeah, he was perfectly fine. And the midwife said, you know what, the best thing for him right now is skin to skin with you, keep the house warm. So we had the fire raging, keeping this house warm in the middle of winter. Um, And he was just incredible. He fed like a champ. Um, My milk came in around the same day. I think it was day three or four. I was tandem feeding then as well. I remember Paisley went and stayed at my mum's house after the birth and then when she came back she said, Oh Hector, you made my milk come back. Oh, so yeah, cute. it was the cutest thing ever. Oh. Um, she was super excited as well because she's like, What? It's all dried up and now it's back again. <laughs> That's so yeah. Funny. Um so like tandem feeding them too and he was just he was meant to be like he was supposed to be born early and he just flew by those first few weeks by nine weeks he was five kilos like it was so bizarre that I would be out with like my tiny little baby that was preemie and people would be like oh wow he's a good size and I'm thinking in my head no, he's not. He's so small. Like he's he's my tiny baby, and but he was just chunked wow. right up. It was incredible. Mm. And even to this, like he's such a solid, strong little boy. Like it, it was just supposed to be like that. And we still, yeah, we have no idea why he came early. Um, if it was my body was just ready, and but. What makes me go, no, I think those other dates were correct is 
he was two kilos. Mm. Like he was smaller than other NICU babies that I've heard of going at 32 weeks. Mm. He was just so strong. And his, his middle name, like all my kids have three names, but we named him Hector Benjamin Cedar. And the cedar is like the strength of a cedar tree. Oh, wow, I love that. Yeah. So after his birth, when did you feel ready to go back for your most recent baby, Juniper? Um, we – so hers was totally different. Um, I'd started reading about, like, conscious conception and calling your baby in, and I knew that I was not – done having babies and my husband was so done (laughs) he he was like we have two we have one of each we would be crazy if we went back and had another like we're getting out of the baby phase um how old was Hector when I conceived he would have been he was already two yeah he was already two so he's kind of like we're on the home run. Like, what are we doing? Why would we go back and have another? And I just knew, I was like, I need another baby. Like there is somebody else out there that is in our family. I do not feel complete. No way. And like, you are giving me another baby. (laughs) And, um, there was, it was around the time of the COVID stuff and without going into too much detail on that, there was some medical stuff and I'd kind of, our family was going through a lot of turmoil and my husband's job and a lot of stuff like that. And um, he had to make a really hard choice. And I said to him, before you go down this path, like, if this is the choice that you are having to make for you and like we we've spoken about every single possible scenario, you need to give me another baby. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially like that. I just, it was that cut dry of like, if you're going to make this choice, we don't know if we're going to be able to have kids in the future. You have to give me another baby. And he said to me, okay, we'll try. And I think in his mind, he's going, well, of course, we're not going to fall pregnant. It took three months with Paisley. It took 12 months with Hector. Like, it's not going to happen. But I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to try for you and we'll see what happens. Mm. And we essentially had one cycle to make it happen. And um, two, I had, I think I'd had two cycles before that. So, like, I'd only started getting my bleed back around the two-year mark after I had Hector. Like I think that's just while my body's breastfeeding, I I just don't get my bleed back. And I was still feeding him. Um, I'd weaned Paisley and I had had COVID in the July. Well, I think. I didn't test, but I assume that's what it was. And I'd had bloods done, checked all of my things. Um, I was low in vitamin D, low in a few other things. And so I had seen my naturopath. We'd pumped my body right back up, like I was back in full health. And I think that contributed a lot to this um, just happening so easily. But I remember sitting in the shower, like of that 
cycle of us trying and just calling Junie in and like we just knew there was a little girl up there waiting Mm. to join our family beautiful oh sorry I'm gonna cry (laughs) oh take your time um Mm. and Paisley I don't know where we had come across the name Junie Moon um but like when I was pregnant with Hector the girl name we had was Juniper and so we knew if we had another baby and it was a girl it would be Juniper and we had we'd gone oh wouldn't it be cute if we called her Junie Moon and um I've later found out that there was there's another like well-known person on Instagram and her she has a twins and one of her twins is Junie Moon and I thought like that's just crazy maybe I had like read that somewhere and that's how it like planted in my mind but Paisley was like manifesting this little sister she's like I know there's a baby out there like it's Junie Moon my little sister and I remember being in the shower and just crying thinking we have this one cycle to make this work and potentially if I don't fall pregnant like that's it I only have two babies and just having that heartbreak of like this could be our reality and feeling so grateful that we have two children and almost feeling like greedy for wanting more because some people don't even have that and but I just knew I knew that there was somebody else in our family and I fell pregnant that cycle. Um, I remember doing the test and Paisley's always been with me when I've like the, the two times and I started crying and she was looking at me going, oh, mom, is there no baby? And I said to her, no, there is, I'm pregnant she's like well why are you crying and I had to explain to her like these are happy tears and was just like so shocked that I fell pregnant that first cycle yeah wow it like it was just unbelievable I have goosebumps now thinking back to it Mm. and Thomas was in bed when I did the test and I um I went and I was like I'm how am I going to tell him? And so I went and made a coffee and cause we just got a new coffee machine and we were like testing out all the like little things that you can do with the milk and make like pictures and stuff in it. And so I did his coffee and I put two lines in it, like a pregnancy test. And I took it to him and I was like, Oh, like what's the picture? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. What is that? <laughs> We laugh, we laugh about it now. And he, he was like, what, like cocaine lines? Oh, and I was like, no, why would your mind go there? Oh, my gosh, so funny. He, he, um, I was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, no, you're not. And I'm like, I am. And, like, he just couldn't believe it either because it just had never happened that easy for us the other two times. And I think he would, like, those first couple of weeks afterwards he was like oh my god what is happening like this is actually happening we are we're pregnant and he we all really struggled 
through her pregnancy. It was just such a hard time in our lives. Him like losing his job because of the mandates and health concerns and it was just it was so hard for us and he really didn't connect with her with me being pregnant mm. um i i knew the natural progression of like my birthing history and me just being so trusting of my body and so knowledgeable of the scenarios of things that could go wrong i i don't consider myself lucky that I had straightforward births, I worked hard for that. Mm. I I know there are women who are in the same situation and things haven't gone right for them and there have been true emergencies and I am so grateful that that hasn't happened to me. But in terms of like interventions and things that can happen in hospital that the system almost says that it has like saved you and they convince women that if they weren't in the hospital that they would have died. I, I really protected myself from that. And so I knew during this pregnancy that I was going to free birth. Yeah. Um, I did my own prenatal care with her um, I had bloods done and I would determine what my body needed from that. I had friends who are naturopaths that I could bounce those, um, like ideas and situations and stuff off with them based on my bloods. And, um, yeah, I very much took power and took control of that pregnancy knowing knowing that I was going to do things slightly different this time, but also it just, it, it truly felt like a natural progression of like, I've had the, the birthing group home birth. I've had the private midwife home birth. And now why do I need anybody there? Like I can do this. And so that was another thing throughout pregnancy that created tension I suppose because my husband was so not on board he was like we had home births before Mm. why do you need to do this by yourself what are you trying to prove Kayla like this is just ridiculous and I had to just over and over and over say to him you need to trust me I have intuition in my body I know if something's not right I know that this baby is okay And I didn't want to have any scans with her pregnancy. Her pregnancy was a lot harder than the other two. Mm -hmm. Um, It it wasn't easeful. It wasn't pain-free. There was emotional turmoil. There was physical turmoil. Um, I have an old tailbone injury that throughout all of my pregnancies has been painful but with the other two it started a lot later on um with junipers i had really really bad morning sickness with her and like all day sickness just nausea um i lost weight at the beginning of her pregnancy just from not being able to eat 
I would make everybody dinner and sit down and be able to eat maybe a third of it and then feel like I was going to vomit. So I would essentially just go tuck myself into bed and my poor husband had to deal with clean up and the showers and putting the, like he would just throw the kids in here and they would go to sleep with me because there was no like routine anymore. I just wasn't coping with the pregnancy. Um, I knew that everything was okay, but I was just so being a, a mom of two already and being pregnant is like to anybody out there who you're either in this situation or you have more children, like I absolutely take my hat off to you because it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. Um, I think my body was just telling me that I needed to slow down. Yeah. And so like carry that theme throughout my whole pregnancy. Once the nausea subsided, the tailbone pain kicked in, um, there was a lot of, yeah, just me questioning, going like, am I feeling like this because I'm over 30 now and my other pregnancies I was still in my 20s. Um, but just really leaning into rest. Like I rested so much. Um, leading up to the end of her pregnancy, I went this time I went a little bit later with her than I did Hector but still earlier than Paisley I remember my my mother blessing and my maternity photo shoot were in the same week and I remember just saying to my friend like I have to just get through this photo shoot and the mother blessing and then I can go into labor and like we were looking at like when when's the full moon in this month in August and when's the full moon in September and when's this baby going to come and um kind of trying to manifest something but it didn't really flow like that and I had my photo shoot and it was the same day that I had gone into labor with Hector. So it was like 36 and three days on this photo shoot day. And we walked up. We, we'd gone down to like this beautiful um, nature area in Newcastle to have the photo shoot. And afterwards I had to walk all the way back up to the car and it was like this big hill we had to walk up. And by the time I got back up, I was like, oh, I'm having some tightenings. Like these, these are contractions. And the whole drive home, it's about a 45-minute drive, I had to kind of like breathe through some of these contractions. And here I am thinking like, fuck, I only got through the photo shoot. I haven't (laughs) got to my mother blessing yet. My friend's going to kill me. (laughs) And she's saying like, why did we plan it for this time? We should have done it earlier because of when Hector went and It was all just like, okay, what will be will be. Maybe baby will just be there with me or everybody can just kind of come to the house one by one. Like, we'll make it work. It's fine. And I remember that night, um, like, we did dinner and put the kids to bed and I was out in the lounge room and I had my yoga mat 
had all of like my birth playlist on and my headphones and I was just like there in front of the fire, just like in my own element. I'm like, okay, tonight might be the night. Everybody's gone to bed. I'm like, it's peaceful. And as soon as I kind of like got down on my hands and knees and I was like just feeling into it, everything just melted away. And I just had this sense of like, what on earth is going on? Like maybe I just need to just like just be here for a little bit and just like rock on my hands and knees and things will like start picking up. And after a while I was like, you know, nothing's really happening. So I'm just going to go to bed and maybe I'll wake up later and I'll have like, I'll be having more contractions. And I'd obviously heard and like, I really, really believe in like birth story medicine. So I've read so many birth stories and listened to so many and like YouTube videos and your podcast and like other podcasts that are out there of like just birth stories. And so I knew that prodromal labor is a thing. I knew that some women, like their bodies go into labor days or weeks beforehand and it's just this slow progression but never did I think that this was going to happen to me because my other two births didn't do that right Mm. and so then you're stuck in this comparison game of well that didn't happen last time so why is it happening this time and that won't happen to me because it didn't happen last time and I think my body just wasn't my my body was ready but Junie wasn't ready Junie knew that it wasn't time yet because there was like this slight fear of but what if she comes at the same time that Hector did that's going to add more stress on me having a preterm baby free birthing than the way that we did it with Hector because someone was here. Someone was here to reassure me. Someone was here to check that his oxygen was fine. We didn't have to transfer. This time it's just me. Everything is on me. I'm taking radical responsibility for this birth, for myself, for my baby. And she she knew she wasn't engaged she was not engaged until well into my labor. It ended up being 10 days later. So for 10 days, I was each night getting contractions, thinking this is it, baby's coming, getting everybody to bed, and then it would just peter out. And I started getting so frustrated. I had never experienced that in the end of my pregnancy, being like, I just need to go into labor. I'm sick of being pregnant. I want this pregnancy to end. But then also having like that inner argument of like, well, this is your last baby. So you can't, like, you can't just wish this away. You need to enjoy this. Um, and I I went through that, yeah, that, that portal for 10 days of thinking something's happening and it wasn't and... We ended up, um, I remember chatting to my friend and she's like, what is it? What are you holding on to, Kayla? There's something that you're holding on to that your your mind is not letting you go into labor. You're like something emotional. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Like I everything, I'm just ready for this baby to be here now. Like it started, 
I like I can feel that my body is trying to do something. I've, I don't have anything that I'm holding on to. And this whole time I knew that my husband would step up and be there on the day, but he still hadn't surrendered to what we were doing. He hadn't surrendered to us free birthing. And he, the day before I gave birth, he came to me and he said, like, I'm here for you. Like, I support what we are doing. I know that we are doing this now. And I had had to reassure him so many times, like, this is not on you. This is the responsibility is not on you. You are not my midwife. I don't expect anything from you. This is all on me. If something happens, it is my responsibility, not yours. Mm. And that morning that I gave birth, we made love and it was that that connection to him that I think made it happen, mm. knowing that I felt safe and supported. Mm-hmm. It was the morning at 9 o'clock and things started off slow again like Hector's. I can't remember what day it was, but it must have been a weekend because he was home and he said, okay, I'm going to get the kids ready Um, because I said to him, like, I feel like something's happening. I'm getting contractions again. It feels a little bit different to the other days, but then you're kind of also in denial of like, well, this has happened every day for the last however many days. It's probably just going to end up being nothing again. Um. And I said to him, I just need a sign. I need a sign that something's happening. I need my waters to break because that always happens to me. I need a mucus plug. Like I need something Mm -hmm. to tell me that my body is moving through this. Like this is it. This is the day. And I think around, I've got it written down here. Yeah, so at around 11.30, so two and a half hours after my contractions started, I lost my mucus plug. And that's when I knew, okay, it's game on. This is happening today. Um, I, I, I kind of had in the back of my mind, like I know people can lose their mucus plug and then still not give birth that day. But something about that just told me, like I know we're going to sit, like meet our baby today. And so my husband took the kids up to the park and they were up there for a good few hours. Um, I'd messaged my mum that morning and let her know that she was going to be here for support for the kids so that Thomas could just focus on me. That I messaged her, said, I think it's happening. She had been on like a huge break from work and was going back to work the next day. (laughs) So that was kind of like, oh, that's frustrating. And so I think she was kind of like, oh, well, I'm I'm not just going to wait around. And she decided to just slowly get ready. And she lives about an hour away from us. So she started getting ready, got in the car and started heading before I had messaged her to let her know to come over. And I I messaged her at around one o'clock in the afternoon. So they hadn't got back from the park yet. I was still here just laboring on my own. 
um, contractions were picking up and I said, Mom, I think, I think I'm definitely in labour. Why don't you head over soon? Um, we're going to need you soon. And <laughs> within like 10 minutes, she showed up in front of the house. And I was like, uh, that's weird. I only just messaged you. And um, she, she was like, oh, I knew that you were in, in labour, Kayla, and I know that you labour pretty quick. So I just came over anyway and um, like just to be here for you to help out with the kids. And I was like, okay, well, that actually worked out perfectly because I've just got to the point where I felt like I needed you here and all of a sudden you're here. Um, so I didn't have to worry about waiting for her to get there, which was good. Um yeah, and it was Thomas came back about half an hour later with the kids. Um, they were just like playing with mom outside and things were slowly picking up. I remember through my pregnancy I had been crocheting a blanket for Bob and while I was like laboring I was crocheting the blanket because I hadn't finished it yet. Um so I feel like that was really special as well, like weaving my birth energy into that blanket. Um, I, from about four o'clock, oh, I remember I would not sit down. So I was like trying to force myself to walk around and keep things like moving because I felt like if I lay down, things are going to stop. And I had been outside, which was really nice because <clears throat> with my other pregnant, uh, my other labors, I was inside the whole time. It was night time, so this one, I was like laboring through the morning and the day, and I spent some time outside. That was really, really beautiful to have that. And around four o'clock, I went, okay, I'm getting really tired. I need to lay down, and this will be a test if I'm actually in labor. And the contractions kept coming every five minutes. And around dinner time, things were picking up. Um, we had a really yummy curry for dinner that night and I ate too much and I made myself feel sick. <laughs> and I remember regretting that I had eaten too much of that. Um, and... <clears throat> around eight o'clock things had really started picking up um the kids didn't want to go to bed but I felt like I needed some like we just needed to keep them in their routine and I needed that space away from everybody for a little while so I just remember being in the lounge room while my mum was trying to help Paisley get to sleep and Thomas was laying with Hector and he just, he wouldn't go to sleep without me. At that point, like I was the only one who could get him to sleep. So I remember being in the bed and having to lay on my back for two contractions. Well, I had my arm around his head and like his position that he had to be in. And they were like so, so painful laying on my back. And I felt awful for all of the women who have had to labor laying down like that it is it just does not feel right it really doesn't and thankfully he went to sleep pretty quickly and um Thomas 
was laying with him and I was in the lounge room and I just remember like things were really starting to pick up and I was starting to get louder and like those moans and groans and really having to vocalise through those contractions Um, until it got to a point where I needed Thomas and I called out to him and he came out and the kids came out and I just – I hadn't found my spot where I wanted to birth. I kind of like part of me really wanted to birth in the same spot that the other two were born. Mm. But once they were out here, it was, I kind of, I needed my space. I needed to be away from them for a little bit. I didn't mind that they were around and they were buzzing, but then I started to get frustrated at, um, my mom and Thomas, like the way that they were getting frustrated at the kids trying to hold space for me. And so I had just said like, please just go put a movie on for them. Not because I didn't want them near me, but because I couldn't cope with the way that they were being spoken to. And I knew that I just had to make that call then. And so they were in the lounge room and I kind of retreated to the bedroom and that's where everything kept unfolding. And I remember, I remember being really tired at that point. So we're getting to like the 12, 13 hour mark Juniper's birth was 14 hours. Oh, wow. Um, yes. I've totally just missed out like a major part <laughs> that I like that relates into this, but she was breech and transverse for most of my pregnancy. Oh, okay. And I think that was her safety mechanism of not letting my body go into labor before it was time until she was ready, until she was strong enough to really to be out here because I had that little niggling voice in the back of my head knowing like we can't do this as early as what Hector came. Mm. It needs like this baby needs to be in there longer so that I don't have that worry that, baby's going to be okay and so I think that was her safety mechanism being transverse like laying sideways in my belly um she would kind of she would go from breach and she would flip like she was just she moved around so much through that pregnancy she was all over the place um but I think she knew not to engage too early and so it wasn't until I was in labor that she actually engaged and I I remember I kept saying to Thomas, I need my waters to break. This, like, it's getting so intense, but I need my waters to break. I Like, this baby's not coming down. It's not engaging because my waters haven't broken. And I hadn't experienced that before with the other two. And I started to get to that, that point of transition that, where you you really just go into the portal. Um, I was leaning over the edge of the bed and 
for a while there, I really couldn't get comfortable. Uh, I was resisting the pain. When I look back now, I know that I was. I was on the bed and on the floor and on the bed and on the floor and holding on to him and just like that. It, it felt so reminiscent of Paisley's birth that where I felt that writhing out of control pain mm. and I knew that I had to ground myself. And I ended up being on like kneeling at the end of the bed and kind of like talking myself through the contractions because there was nobody else there to, to reassure me um, in that sense, like in um, about baby. And, and Thomas said, he's like, you were just saying to yourself, like the baby's almost here. It's okay. And he's like, you, you were soothing yourself. And that like surprised him. Um, and, but I could just feel her coming down. I could feel everything. My hips, my pelvis was like cracking open almost to, to bring her through. And she was my, my biggest baby. She was 3.2 kilos. And so just over seven pounds, her head I feel like her head was the biggest head that I have birthed because I had to bear down so much to push her out. And at that point I didn't have the patience to to wait for the fetal ejection reflex. Something within me was like, you need to get this baby out now. Like you have to birth your baby. You have to meet this pain, you have to bear down and push and get this baby out. And I could feel the amniotic sac, like I wouldn't say bulging, but just like a little bubble popping out. And I remember just feeling that going, okay, like it's so close, baby's so close, baby's coming. And I had to push so hard to get her head out and her head exploded out with the waters just breaking at the same time. And so, like, her – it was just, yeah, it was like an explosive birth of her head coming out. And I think I shocked her so much that, like, she started crying instantly. Yeah. Um, and my my mum in the background was like, oh, I think the baby's here. But her head had only just been birthed, not the rest of her. And um, I remember like the resting in between the next contraction and just waiting and uh, I like pushed with the next contraction and her body was coming out and Thomas had said to me, like, keep going. And I'm thinking, what do you mean keep going? Like, I, I've got it out. Like, the body's out. And he's like, no, it's only like half out. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> So I like pushed again and the rest of her came out and he passed her um, through my legs up to me and it was just like this instant feeling of like we did it. Baby's here, like she's here and this instant connection with my husband and I think like relief washed over him that everything was okay and um he he hadn't had to do anything out of the ordinary. Like it was just 
a plain old birth. Um, there was no emergency. It was just birth. And we, we checked and we saw that it was our little girl and we straight away said to Paisley, like, it's your Junie Moon, your little sister's here. And she was so excited and both of the kids, like, came and checked in and, like, said hello to her and um, that was, like, really beautiful. And um, my placenta this time, it just fell out. Oh. Like, in the next contraction, it, it just slipped out all by itself. And I remember just having this huge relief wash over me that I didn't have to do anything I like I with Hector's placenta it was over an hour of waiting and in those really intense after pains and I had made sure this time that I had the like a placenta release tincture and was stressing about getting it here in time um and I didn't need it at all. And I just remember being in awe that, like, it just slipped out. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> what on earth just happened? Um, yeah, and it was just so, so easeful after that. Um, she is a very, very sensitive little soul. And so I think that transition from my womb to the outside world really rocked her and she was crying a lot. And so straight away um, was trying to feed her and latch her on and that like soothed her for a little bit. And uh, this time instead of cutting the cord, we decided that we were going to burn the cord to release her from her placenta and so we did that after a little while after like my husband had helped me get into bed and we got all cozy and I just had her placenta in a bowl. And um, I think I, it was like it was well past midnight at this point and he was just so tired and ready to go to bed. And um, we had Paisley helping us with that and um, I feel like the video is – of us doing that was like so beautiful of like burning the cord and releasing her from her placenta. Whereas like in the background, it was like, Oh, come on. I'm so tired. Oh, this smells. And, and then like Paisley holding the candle and it wasn't holding under enough. And so Thomas is trying to help her and the cord was really short. And it was like this mix of like, this is amazing, but everybody's frustrated and tired and ready for bed. And, and I'm just like, but I, guys, I really want to do this. And, <laughs> Like, it's funny how, like, a video can be so contrasting to what actually happened in real life. Um, But, like, I was was so appreciative of that they made that happen for me because that was really important to me um, to do that this time. And her her placenta, as, as Thomas carried the bowl away, she started crying. And I feel like all of the the stories and the study that I've done on placentas since, like between those two births, it almost broke my heart that like she could sense that her placenta was being taken away from her. And um, I really 
can see the beauty in like a lotus birth I don't think I would physically be able to do that like it would I think it would frustrate me too much but um how our babies are so energetically connected to that that thing that spirit that is with them all through pregnancy is just incredible Wow, what a beautiful journey you've had. So to wrap up today's episode, what would be your key pieces of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? Um, so something that I always say to any friends or expecting mamas is to roar your beautiful baby out. Um, birth is so primal and those guttural sounds, they reverberate deep into your womb space and in some way they allow the pain to pass through you. Um, So just really don't be afraid of making noise. Lean into those sounds and let those sounds be the way that that pain of that contraction passes through you and serve its purpose. Mm. It really is incredible. I love that. Thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on today and sharing your stories with us. It's been amazing to listen. Thank you so much for having me on Sky. It has been really, really special talking to you. Um, I really enjoyed this. And I think birth stories are so incredibly important to share and for other mothers to listen to. So um, I really admire what you do. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We got to explore three remarkably distinct birth stories today from Kayla, serving as a great reminder that while it is invaluable to absorb the wealth of knowledge and information these stories offer, it's equally important not to become attached to any particular outcome because we understand that each birth is inherently unique and when we are stepping into the realm of childbirth, it's crucial to let go of any preconceived expectations and simply surrender deeply into your own unique unfolding. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram. And if you love PBA, we would be forever grateful if you could take a moment to subscribe or leave a review on your podcast platform. This feedback helps us to continue bringing inspiring stories each week and to reach more women who need it. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We'll be back next week with another episode of PBA. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of birth. Thank you.